You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Jesus died and he was resurrected from the dead. No more in week six of the Apostles' Creed. We are actually on our sixth week installment of our series entitled The Apostles' Creed. Now, how many of you are familiar with the Apostles' Creed growing up? Please raise your hand. You know, we have been talking about this for the past six weeks, including today. And uh, first uh, week, we talked about, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Then we talked about, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we talked about His divinity and His humanity. Then we talked about the Holy Spirit and uh, who He is in our lives. And then we shifted to talking about the church. Last week is Easter uh, Palm Sunday, and we talked about uh, Jesus Christ. He was buried, He died, He was buried, and He rose again from the dead. How many of you are thankful that Jesus is no longer dead? He is alive forevermore. Amen. The God that we serve is already alive. Amen. He's always alive. And He, you know, because Jesus is alive, we have hope for the future. And this leads us to our topic this afternoon, which talks about forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Now, I understand that this is the final part of the Apostles' Creed, but we're just rotating or shifting that part. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And we're going to talk about eternal judgment next week. Today, we're going to focus on forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. I'd like us to all stand up and uh, read the Word of God this afternoon. From the fifth chapter of John, if you have your Bibles, open it to the book of John, chapter 5, verse 24. If you have your Bibles, you'll probably notice that it is marked in red. Red means Jesus is the one who spoke this. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. We'll talk about that next week. In verse 29, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is life. We thank you, Lord, that Lord, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Lord, even today, as we talk about forgiveness, the resurrection in the future that we will all have, and even eternal life, I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts so that we can hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as individuals and as a church. Bless the preaching of your word and bless everyone as we listen in. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You know, this thing called eternity is something that we need to prepare for. And I know that this leaves us with some choices that we need to make. But talking about choices, how many of you know that as citizens and as a people, we're all going to be making choices on May 9? And how many of you are getting ready for your choice of candidate among these five? We will elect 
the next leaders of our country. More significantly, we will choose a new president and a new VP. I hope that you are seriously studying and really praying about your options, who to vote for. In fact, I'm not going to do that right now. We're not going to preach on election today. But we have a series, actually, that is prepared for us right after the Apostles' Creed. We're going to be looking at uh, how we can really you know, look at the Scripture and uh, the Scripture warning us and giving us guidelines on how to choose the leaders of this nation. But today, uh, we will just leave it at that. You only have two choices, unfortunately, when you talk about the spiritual realm. When you talk about eternal life, there are only two choices. All the different decision-making that we have to do on this life, God has given us so many options. But when you talk about eternal life, when you talk about life after that, when you talk about which side we're going to be on, there's only two choices, right? Let's look at the two choices. First candidate that we have, his campaign and his platform, he's offering power, he's offering wealth, he's offering fame. How many of you would like to have some of that? Or he's offering position. You know, we remember that when he tempted our Lord Jesus Christ when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, he took him in different places and he basically asked him to turn stones to bread and to, you know, to worship him and he'll offer all the wealth in the world and all the fame in the world. And we all know that Jesus did not fall into that trap. The second candidate that we can actually choose is one whose hands and feet have actually nail marks on it. He's promising forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and eternal life. Which one are you going to vote for? There was actually a story of this young executive who actually died and he went to the pearly gates and Peter welcomed him. He said, welcome to the gate. And he asked him, where do you want to go for your eternity? Would you like to go to heaven or would you like to go to hell? Now, this is not from the Bible, okay? This is just a fable. Maybe some of you are wondering, what is that, okay? And so this young executive said, well, I can't make a decision yet. Can you give me a tour of both? So Peter gave him a tour of heaven. And when they went to heaven, this young executive saw the angels singing with their loud voices. Hallelujah. There are so many bright lights in heaven. And there was so much peace in heaven. Okay? So this young executive said, Now can you show me hell? And so... He brought him to hell, and when the door of hell opened, there was smoke coming out of the door, and there were some lights coming out, and party sounds were also heard from coming inside the inside hell. You know that he was hearing that. So wow, that's a nice way to celebrate eternity. And then he saw people drinking, he saw people eating. He saw people partying, people having fun. And so they finally closed it. And so Peter asked, did you make up your mind? And then this young executive said, well, no doubt. Hell it is. <laughs> so he was thrown into hell finally. And so when he was at the gate of hell, 
the demon opened the door and smoke came out. And instead of the other things that he saw, he heard screaming of pain and suffering from people. There were billows of smoke and there were so much anguish inside that place. And this demon welcomed him and he said, Welcome to hell. And he was asking the demon, What happened? This is not the thing that I saw when, the, when Peter uh, brought me here in this place. And so the demon explained, Well, when Peter brought you here, that was the campaign period. Now this is reality. Of course, if you're familiar with your Bible, we know that we don't make a choice that we get there, right? The choice of heaven and hell is made right here on earth. We don't get to vote there. We don't get to choose our candidate or we, get, we don't get to choose, you know, right there at the pearly gates where you will spend eternity, heaven or hell. But right here, right now, we are supposed to make a choice. We need to make a choice. The question is, have you made a choice? Turn to the person beside you and ask that question. Have you made a choice where to spend eternity? I think it's an easy answer, right? If people would ask you, of course, many of us would like to go to heaven. Would you like to spend your eternity in heaven or hell? Smoking or not smoking? But yet, when you talk about the benefits of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it is so comprehensive. This benefits covers our past, our present, and our future. You know, his death and resurrection talks about forgiveness of sins. And how many of you are thankful to God that he forgives us our sins? Amen. You know, what a wonderful benefit. We're going to talk about that in a while. Next benefit is resurrection of the body. You know, when we were reading that scripture, probably you're wondering, wow, the tombs will be open. It's kind of like Halloween. But yet one day, everybody say one day, we will actually be raised up to life. Yes, it is destined for a man to die once and after that we face judgment in the spirit. But yet, God will take whatever natural body that we have, touch your body. God will take this body and He will use that to resurrect it into another form of body. A glorified body, a spiritual body, a resurrected body, similar to what Jesus has. And we're going to look at that in a while. And then He promises eternal life. What is eternal life? What is the concept of eternal life? Is it just living forever? Talaga may forever pala talaga, no? But is there something more about eternal life that we need to know? First, let's focus on forgiveness of sins. How many of you are, of course, all of us will say yes. How many of you are sinners? And how many of you have sinned before the Lord? Okay, let me just rephrase this question. How many of you, after you got saved, have sinned before the Lord? At least once. Huh? Okay, I'm also raising up my hand. Okay, the forgiveness of Jesus is actually given to us, and it gives provision for the past, the present, and the future sins. It says in John chapter 5, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life. What is the prerequisite of having eternal life again? To believe. Is it supposed to be us, you know, going to church every day or maybe giving to the poor or attending small group or serving in the ministry? Is that, 
a ticket to eternal life. What is the ticket to eternal life again? Believe. The Bible says, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. In other words, we're no longer judged and condemned because of our sins, because Jesus Christ made a provision for us to be forgiven of our sins. Have you ever done something wrong to someone? Or maybe have someone done something wrong to you? And it's hard for us to forgive. You know, how many of you have been hurt at least once in your life? Please raise your hand. Broken promises, maybe. Isolation. Betrayal of friendship. Ouch. Pastor. Who good? You know, there's so many things that may have been done to us. And we think this guy or this girl does not deserve forgiveness. But my question for us today is, who deserves forgiveness? Do we think we deserve forgiveness? Sometimes we don't like, or many times we don't like to be judged, right? How many of you would like to be judged? No one, right? You know, if you're doing something and maybe they misjudge you because of the actions that you're done, but yet you have the right motive, sometimes people would judge you. And you would feel condemned maybe from time to time when you offend someone or maybe you've put up something on the internet that you shouldn't have put there. And sometimes, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You feel condemned about it. But what I'm talking about is not this feeling of judgment or condemnation. What this verse is talking about is eternal judgment and eternal condemnation. In other words, the judgment here is really hell itself. And aren't you glad that if he believe in the Son of God, you and I who have eternal life, we don't have to pass through hell anymore. Praise God. Amen. We have been freed from judgment. How many of you are familiar with Monopoly? How many of you are familiar with this get-out-of-jail card? It's kind of like God giving you a get-out-of-jail card. You did nothing. And when you pass there, what he will say is, now pass, go, and collect your $200. It doesn't make sense. I'm supposed to go to jail, and here I am, I am blessed. But that's the benefit of us believing in Jesus. He who believes in me, who sent me, has eternal life. We're familiar with this verse, Acts chapter 10. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone, everyone say everyone. What does everyone mean? Lahat. Everybody, all of us, who believes in him. There's no discrimination about this. There's no preclusion. All you've got to do is to believe. If we believe in Him, we receive forgiveness of sins through His name. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First, what kind of forgiveness do we receive from Him? Number one is total forgiveness. Everybody say total forgiveness. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's amazing. He not only forgave us the past, present, but even future sins that you and I will possibly commit. He forgave all. Everybody say all. All our sins. And how many of you are, you know, if you're a gamer, for example, and you are not happy with your score, what do you normally do with your PSP? You want to press the start button. 
right? In back back in the day, you know, you want to have many lives in contra, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A D A D select start. You know? <laughs> we want to reset things and we want to be able to be given a fresh start. And it's exactly what God did to us. It's like going back to him and say, God, forgive me for all the things I have done. It's done. Forgiven. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, when he said, it is finished, and we've been singing that song, it is finished. It's actually a marketplace term that says the debt has been paid in full. It is done. No more debts, no more sins. Total forgiveness has been given to us. Second is absolute forgiveness. In Psalm 103 verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions or sins or iniquities from us. And let me ask you this question. How far is the east from the west? Have you ever measured it? Let's try to measure. Okay, if somebody go to the east, somebody go to the west, let's measure how far the east because there's no limit to how far it goes. The east is from the west. That's how far he has removed your sins from you. Amazing. He chose to throw that away. It's not a partial or probationary forgiveness, but absolute. It's not a parole, a conditional pardon. Okay, I'm going to watch you, okay? If you make a mistake, I'm going to throw lightnings from heaven. You know, he's, he's not like that. It's an absolute forgiveness. Permanent forgiveness is also given to us. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, for his sake, not for our sake. He was writing this and he was saying it's, you know, his forgiveness for us is not for our benefits or for our sake, it's for his sake. And he said, I will not remember your sins. You know, his forgiveness is permanent. When he forgives, he blots it all out. He whitens out as snow. It's not a temporary forgiveness. My question is, did God have an amnesia? One day he woke up, huh? Who am I? Who are you? What have you done? You know, he's not like that. How many of you know that God is an omniscient God? His omniscience simply means that he knows everything. Past, present, future, and everything else. That's who he is. His very nature, his attribute is he's an omniscient God. How can he be omniscient and yet forget things? But what does he mean by his, when he said, I will forget your sins? What it means really is he chooses not to remember it. It's an act of will. Or in other words, I choose not to bring it out again. I asked you a question earlier, right? If you've been offended by someone, how many of you are sometimes, okay, sometimes having a hard time forgiving? Please raise your hand. Sometimes lang, sometimes. Di ba? And when you pray a prayer, Lord, kunin mo na siya. Parang yun, yun, talagang. You pray for him naman, Lord, you said you, to bless your enemies, to pray for them, those who persecute you. Kunin mo, wipe out mo silang lahat. Pinagpray ko naman. But yet, we are expecting God to forgive us. And you know, one of the prayers that Jesus taught his disciples is the Lord's Prayer. And part of that prayer is, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. It's almost like praying, Lord, if I don't forgive others, don't forgive me my sins. 
How many of you would like to receive forgiveness on a daily basis from God? Amen. Amen. Now, how many of us are willing to forgive others with the wrong that is done to us? And Peter said this to Jesus. How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times. Because he's probably offended six times already. He's ready for the seventh. Jesus saw his heart and said, not seven times, but 70 times seven. If you're an accountant, 70 times seven, 490 times. No, what that means is as many times as it would take, you learn to forgive. You have probably been offended by someone. Guess what? Part of the forgiveness process is letting go the offense of that person. How many of you have heard of this statement, forgive and forget? Forgive and forget? Is it really possible to forgive and then forget? I don't think so. Because as far as I can remember, I remember everything that was done to me by the thing, the people. But then when you say forgive, it's letting go. Even without forgetting it, the true mark of forgiveness is even if you remember it, it doesn't hurt you anymore. Because you've learned to let go. And what this means is, I will not remember your sins anymore. It means I will never bring out this topic again. I will not try to collect my debt from you. Because God is my vindicator and God is the one who will compensate me and not you to me. Amen. You know, I will remember my sins. How many of you, I always say this story, remember the duck. How many of you are familiar with the remember the duck story? How many of you do not know what remember the duck story is all about? Please raise your hand. Okay, so I will say it right now, okay? How many of you want me to tell that story? Okay, sige, okay. There are two siblings, a boy and a girl. The boy's name is Billy, the girl's name is Sally. During summer, they went to visit their grandmother in the farm. Billy, the boy, was about maybe 10 years old, was given a new toy, a slingshot, that he was practicing as he went to the farm. And so he would take stones, put it in the slingshot, and he would practice with bottles and cans. Every time he would aim, he would shoot, he would always miss the target. He was so frustrated. But yet, one particular day, when he was walking inside the barn, he saw the duck of grandmother, quack, 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 walking Inside the barn. He took a stone. Anyway, he said, I'm going to miss this. So he practiced. He aimed at the dock. He released the stone. Wham! Direct hit. Bullseye in the head. It was a slow motion. The dock fell. Billy, you know, looked at the left. He looked at the right. Nobody saw it. And so he picked up the dock. He dug a hole beside the barn. And he buried the dock there. As he buried the dock, he didn't realize his sister Sally was there looking at him and said, Huh huh, what have you done? And so they were both silent till dinner time. They went to dinner and the grandma cooked a nice dinner. And after dinner, grandma asked for help. Who will help me wash the dishes? And Sally, the sister, said, Oh, grandmother, Billy would like to volunteer to wash the dishes tonight. <laughs> Billy said, I did not. And Sally said, Remember the doc. And Billy said, Oh, grandmother, yes! I will wash the dishes tonight. 
he did that. And the next morning after breakfast, grandmother once again asked, who will help me wash the dishes after this? Sally said, Billy will once again volunteer. And he said, I did not. And she said, remember the dog. And this went on and on and on. Lunch, remember the duck. Dinner, remember the duck. The next day, remember the duck. Ah, okay, grandma, I will do it. I will do it. Finally, when the vacation is about to end, Billy could not stand his sister anymore. And he finally confessed this to his grandmother and said, Grandmother, I did a terrible thing. I killed your duck. <laughs> and grandmother said this to Billy, Billy, I saw everything that happened on that day that you shot the duck with a slingshot. And I was wondering, how much will you put up with your sister tormenting you by saying, remember the duck? And Billy finally got absolved and he got freed from guilt because he opened this to grandmother. What's the lesson of our story? Sometimes the devil would come to you and say, remind you of your past, remember the duck. I saw what you did last summer. You were bad. And you're not going to be good. Guess what? If we hear the devil remind us of the past, we can always go back to this verse. I will remember your sins no more. Amen. Amen. Come on, I'll give the Lord praise. If he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. You're going to hell. And that's what's written in the book of Revelation. You have been forgiven. The other person beside you, you have been forgiven. God has forgotten about what you've done. The question is, are we living a life that is pleasing to God every day? Let's not abuse the grace of God. Amen. It's not about us. Okay, Lord. Father, forgive me for the sins I've done and I plan to do it again tomorrow then it's, it simply means that we have not received eternal life and forgiveness. A person who received a genuine forgiveness will be careful to abuse that grace and the love that was shown to him by God. Amen. We have all been forgiven. Second is resurrection of the body. In John chapter 5, verse 28 to 29, it says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and what? Come out. Ahoo! No, it's not, uh, it's not Halloween, okay? But this is actually a future event. It's talking about the resurrection of the dead. Those who have done good to the resurrection of the life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. More on this next week. We're going to talk about eternal judgment. But what this verse really points us to us today is there is a future resurrection. That Jesus is not the only one who experienced resurrection, but you and I will also experience resurrection. Right? Tell the person beside you and tell the person, you will be resurrected. Yeah, believe it. Okay? In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. Check the person beside you if he is sleeping. Okay? Because this is not talking about those who are sleeping, but it's talking about those who died. When the Bible talks about people who are asleep, it means they're dead. 
And it says that you do not grieve as other people or as others do who have no hope. It means that if you have someone in your family who probably have passed away, someone who has fallen asleep, you do not lack hope because you know that one day you will see them again in eternity. Amen. And we all have our stories. Maybe you've lost a loved one. You've probably lost a mom or a dad, a sibling or a child, just like in my case. January 2, 2004, we buried our son. And, you know, it was held, it was done in the Manila Memorial. You know, after about, what, 13 years already to this day, you know, we miss our boy, but yet we do not lose hope because we know that our son shall live and our son will be resurrected from the dead. That's why it says that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope, but for all of us who believe, we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you talk about hope, hope always refers to the future and eternity. We have hope because we have a bright future ahead of us. Our future is secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not about us just you know, ending our life and that's it. We don't believe in nihilism. The doctrine of the annihilation just simply means if you die, you die. You cease to exist. That is not what we believe. We believe that when you die, you will go to the next life. Heaven or hell. Eternal judgment. We know that. But yet for us who believe, we will be confident of the fact that we have eternity in our hearts. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Let's jump to verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who die ahead of us, if Jesus comes tomorrow, they will come out of the grave and they will meet Him first. Then we who believe will meet Him as well. But how does this happen in the future? The Apostle Paul is giving us a glimpse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it's talking about resurrection of the dead. Verse 35, But someone may ask, How will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies... Will they have? Can you imagine? Maybe this person is asking the question, you know, how will the dead be raised? Because what if someone was nuked out or, you know, stepped on a landmine and there's no more body? It's, you know, it's, it went to thousands of different places. Or maybe, you know, you, you know, a person was eaten by a shark and then, you know, that one part went to the shark, another went to the alligator, the other went to a turtle, whatever, okay? Can you imagine? It went to different direction. How will that happen? How will the resurrection happen if you are in five or 100 different parts? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question the Apostle Paul was answering. He was kind of frustrated when he was responding to this. Don't you know, guys? It is so basic. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And how many of you are familiar with gardening? How many of you have actually planted a mongo seed in your home echo? Hello? 
in our remember that you know, when we were in like elementary we were planting seeds and we were looking at this plant we were waiting for this seed to grow into a tiny sprout for several days and from the moment it sprouted oy, my little plant is growing what happened there the seed died but everything that the plant needed to live is in that seed but the seed had to die first let's move on and what do you put in the ground and what you put in the ground is that the plant that will grow but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting then god gives it to the new body he wants it to have a different plant grows from each kind of seed we know that what you planted in the ground is in seed form what comes out is a beautiful plant or a tree or whatever that is able to bear fruit and it gives you much more life after that. In verse 42, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. When you look at your body, it's like a seed. That when we die, we are planted to the ground. How many of you know that when you're buried, it's kind of like that? That's the principle. You get planted six feet under the ground. But we're not expecting a tree to form <laughs> from your tomb, Okay? Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. In verse 43, our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. Now, how many of you will be honest with me and feel that your body is getting weaker every day? You feel you're older a little bit. I think that's all of us. Every day that we live, even if you're a teenager today, guess what? Every day that we live, we're one day closer to our death. We're one day closer to our degeneration stage. And, you know, many of us are probably suffering from different forms of sickness. You know, this morning I was actually with a, with a member of our, our uh, church in a, a congregation in Akasha, and he was just... Uh, telling me how difficult it is for him to walk because, you know, his gout was attacking him. And so he walked in church like that. How many of you have gout? Don't raise your hand, okay? If you have a lot of uric acid, that's the cost there. And we feel that we're getting old. Maybe you have more wrinkles. You look at yourself in the mirror and not really happy with what you see anymore. When you play sports... You know, you think you can still do the things that you were doing when you were a teenager. I remember when I was younger, I could dunk the ball. No, not really. Okay? But I could actually jump. I could actually be I'm more agile. But nowadays, or maybe like a Steph Curry, you shoot from, uh, from the outside. But you get more tired now because our body is broken. It's now getting weaker. The good news about this is this will not be the same body that will actually come out of the ground when we resurrect from the dead. Amen. I was wondering also, I have this question in my mind, will Jerome come out still as an eight-year-old? Or will he be a teenager? Or maybe a hunk of a man? I don't know. Maybe his resurrection body is, of course, it'll be better. He'll be raised in glory. You'll be raised in strength. 
They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. This is the kind of body that we will have in the future. No longer natural. Hold your hand right now. Okay? Can you feel it? Okay, I hope so. Okay. right? <laughs> but this is not what's gonna come out in the future. Someone was asking a pastor, if you were bald here on earth, will you come out in the resurrection body with hair on your head? I don't know. Maybe. Or if you die obese, will you come out also as obese? I mean some of those questions, really. You know, like my question of, you know, will a child become an adult? And so on and so forth. I believe it will be a much better body. Right? If you prefer a one-app body, that's, that's for you, right? But maybe, I don't know, maybe God will design the body to be healthier. Of course, it will be healthier. It's designed to last forever. So I believe it will be much leaner than what it is right now. <laughs> Last benefit of what Jesus Christ gave us is eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. How many of you believe in eternity again? Please raise your hand. Yes. There is a forever, right? John 5.25 Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now where? Here. It's in what tense? Written? Present tense, right? And when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. John 3.16, everybody read this. For God, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life begins when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we said earlier, not after you die, but even before you die, we already have Eternal life. Now, how many of you have eternal life already? Please raise your hand. You don't have to wait till you die and then eternal life. Right now, as we sit here in the auditorium of Festival Mall, if you believe in the Son of God, you have eternal life. Amen. Come on now. That's something to celebrate. Let's take it further. John 17, verse 3. Jesus defined eternal life when He said this, This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In other words, eternity is not about just living without dying. But eternity is actually about knowing who God is. And that is what God designed us to be. We are relational beings. God wants us to have a relationship with Him. And God wants us to know Him. Eternity will be spent, I believe, just trying to know who God is. And how many of you know that eternity may not be enough for us to know who God is? His majesty is grandeur. The dominion that He has, the authority. Because the attributes of God is just too difficult to fathom. If we are to combine the beauty of the canyon... The majesty of the mountain range, the aura of the star-filled sky, the joy of the sunrise, the romance of the sunset, the fragrance of spring, and the colors of autumn. 
And if we are to combine all the beauty of this world accompanied by the nature's orchestra, like the sound of music, the hills are alive. It is not enough for us to describe. It is only but a glimpse of knowing about who God is, the beauty and the majesty that He has. And try to imagine this. These things that we see is in this world. This world is degenerating because of its sinful state. And yet, it is still marked with the beauty of God's creation. Amen. Can you imagine what eternal life is all about? This is but a glimpse of what He is about to give to us. Amen. That's why I believe we should not despair. The Apostle Paul is talking about this body as a tent. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, it's referring to our mortal bodies. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal. Everybody say eternal. Eternal in heaven. The Apostle Paul was describing the difference between the tent and the eternal dwelling. On Friday, 200 dads and children are going to meet my dad camp in Dolores Quezon. And we're going to be pitching tents there. For two days and overnight, Okay, pray for the dads. Because uh, there's no moms there, okay? We hope that we will be able to feed our children right. But anyway, but when you talk about the camp, we will build tents there. And we will stay there only until Saturday. But after Saturday, we'll put down the tent and go back home because tent is always talking about temporal things. And the Apostle Paul is describing that what we have here is a tent. This thing that we celebrate in these things that we own and the things that we rejoice about really is temporary. Tell the person beside you, temporary. Don't die for these things. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, the pagans run after these things. And yet he said, you know, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added to us. Don't run after things. Because we are living not for the temporal we are living for the eternal. In verse 4, For while we are still in this tent, we what? Groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And when you talk about groaning, what does that mean? An inner murmur of the heart? Or maybe the sighing of our spirit? Ah, <sighs> groan. Have you ever groaned? Maybe because of frustration. Lord, when will all this end? You know, we're crying out. Yes, we're Christians. And we know that we're blessed. But how many of you know that we are still sometimes experiencing a lot of challenge and trouble in this life? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay? But don't despair because He said, have faith in me, for I have overcome the world. Groaning is the inner groaning of our soul. It's longing to have something that is more permanent, something that is more lasting, something that is better. Yes, I'm grateful to the Lord for the life that we have. I'm grateful for our relationships here. I'm grateful for His blessing, but this is nothing compared to what we will have in eternity. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a what? 
as a guarantee or a down payment or a first installment. If you're buying a house, you know what this means. For example, if you're looking at a pre-selling item of a house, when you put a down payment, even if that is not yet done, you know that that house is yours. And a down payment is a, something to show that you're interested in getting that because you are already putting up a guarantee for that place. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us by God as a guarantee, as a deposit of what is to come. And I believe that better things are coming our way. Amen. The Holy Spirit is here to help us, to aid us, to help us in our weakness. And yet it is just a foretaste of what is to come, the promise of the Lord Jesus. In verse 6, it says, So we are always of good courage. Tell the person beside you, don't be discouraged. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. We are the whole essence of Christianity. It's not about us. Christianity does not revolve around us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our blessings. It's not about our position. It's not about our glory. It's about God's glory. It's about His honor. It's about His praise. We live for Him. Whether we're here or there, that's our motivation. I'm preparing to end already. I'd like to ask the music team to join me here on stage. Revelation 21, verse 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You know, as a pastor, I've actually officiated more than a hundred, maybe a couple of hundred weddings. And how many of you love weddings? Every time you look into the bride, she is the most beautiful person right there in that place. They say that the bride is at her peak during the time that she is about to get married. Well, it explains it. She's well-rested. She probably went to the spa. She had several layers of makeup. <laughs> and she prepared herself. She's wearing this white gown prepared for her husband. And that's really the picture of the future. That we as a church, we're the bride of Christ. And Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. And in verse 3 it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and He will dwell with them. And, excuse me. That is my third. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. I believe heaven is a place of great beauty and unfathomable abundance. But it's not about the what in heaven. It's about the who in heaven. Heaven is heaven because God is there. And we'll celebrate heaven because of the fact that Jesus Christ will be with us forevermore. And in verse 4 it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. 
And if you can add to the list, you can add, there's no more anesthesia. There's no more injection. There's no more operation. There's no more cancer. There's no more chemotherapy. There's no more pain. There's no more deaths. There's no more problems. There's no more disappointments. There's no more failure. And so on and on and on and on. For the former things have passed away. And he said, who sitteth on the throne, Behold, I am making all things new. Amen. Come on now. That is the picture. That is the picture of our future. I know about you. I'm excited about this. We ought to live our life not to make a mistake in investing as if the things will just end here in this life. But I believe that we can really prepare for what is to come in the future. If you believe in eternity, I believe you will actually make a better decision because you have a longer perspective of life. God gave us a foretaste so that we could actually anticipate the feast that is about to be brought to us in heaven. My main point today as I come to a close, because Jesus resurrected, we will have resurrection and eternal life as well. And how is that possible? If we believe. If we believe. Let's bow our heads right now as we come to a close. As all heads are bowed down, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and maybe you are a visitor. Or maybe you've been coming here for a while, but you have not made this decision yet. And how you wish that you can be forgiven of your sins, cleansed from your past, guilt removed, no more condemnation. That is possible because of what Jesus Christ has done for all of us at the cross. And it's only possible if we are willing to put our trust in what He did by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are here today also wanting to have eternal life that Jesus is offering, I believe that this is the day of your salvation. And if that is you, with all heads bowed down and all eyes closed, if that is you, I want you to lift up your hand as an acknowledgement just before you and God and say, God, I want your forgiveness. I want to receive eternal life. I want to be able to enjoy eternity with you. If that is you, can you kindly raise up your hand right now? Don't mind a person seated beside you. Yes, I see those hands. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Continue raising up your hand. Yes, I see those hands in the middle. Yes. Yes. Yes, I see those. Yes. Yes, God bless you. Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Just a few more seconds before we pray. Thank you, Lord. If you're lifting up your hand, would you kindly pray this prayer? In fact, I want to invite everyone to pray this prayer out loud. Let's pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Indeed, Lord, you are the Lamb who was slain, who is able to take away my sins. Thank you that as I put my trust in you, I am forgiven. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that he is raised from the dead. Therefore today, I know for certain that I have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for your promise of sonship and your promise of me being a child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. 
We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.